You're listening to the Jesus Culture Sacramento Church Podcast. We are in the middle of a series on prayer uh, as we launch out into the summer of prayer. Uh, we kind of kicked it off with, uh, it's time to seek the Lord just prophetically. I believe that the Lord's asking us to seek Him right now. And whenever He stirs our heart to seek Him, it's because He intends to be found by us. Uh, we talked through this, that the Lord loves to be found. He is intentionally very bad at hiding. He is, he is no good at hide and go seek. He, he, on purpose, is bad at it because He's a dad and what He loves to be is be found. So He stirs your heart to be found. And, uh, and, then, and then we are convinced that the Bible tells us He's moved by our prayers, that He's a God that's moved to action by those who seek Him. Those that wait for Him in anticipation, He is moved. And, and this is what Isaiah says, nobody's ever seen a God, nobody's ever even heard of a God that actually acts for those who wait for him. And that's the God we serve. He's moved by our prayers. And so that was, it's time to seek the Lord. Then the next week we just talked about the foundation of prayer and just really laying a foundation of prayer in your life, really having that be at the core of who you are. And really as we get into this thing, and we're going to talk about the ministry of intercession tonight, as we get into this, really the normal Christian, a lot of what we're teaching is just the normal Christian life. We're trying to get people into the normal Christian life. Part of the, you know, loving people, normal Christian life. Praying for the sick, normal Christian life. Generosity, normal Christian life. These are all normal Christian life stuff. And prayer is one of those things. Prayer is something that uh, Jesus, in fact, I love how Jesus talks about it. He just pretty much assumes you're going to. And and the reason he assumes you're going to is because the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Spirit of God has taken up residence inside of your life, and whether you know it or not, you have a desire to pray. There is a passion inside of you to pray. Now, you may not know what to do. That passion may have gotten buried in the midst of a lot of stuff going on in life, but there is a passion and a desire to pray in there. And Jesus just approaches it like this. When he talks to us in, you know, in, in, in Scripture, he, he never says, if you pray. He always says, when you pray. He's like, when you pray, pray like this. When you pray, pray like this. When you pray, don't lose heart because he instructs us from a place of, I'm assuming you're going to pray because the Spirit of God is inside of you and the Spirit of God wants to make intercession. The Spirit of God wants to pray. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews. He wants to, he makes intercession. And so, I love that. Jesus, he's not like, hey, if you pray, not ever, he's like, no, no, you're going to pray because that's the normal Christian life. So as we kind of go after the normal Christian life, which is a life of prayer, we, in Scripture, you begin to see that there are many different types of prayer. There are many, many different types of prayer. And again, this is not a complete list, but if you look through Scripture, there, there is the prayer of praise and adoration. There is the prayer of forgiveness. There is the prayer of supplication, or we don't really use that word supplication, but it's asking or requesting. There's a prayer of supplication. There's a prayer of thanksgiving. There's a prayer of faith. There's a prayer of agreement. There's a prayer of consecration. These are all prayers that are found throughout Scripture. And many times when we go into a time of prayer with the Lord, it's important that you kind of understand, you know, if there's a house called prayer, what room are we in? Like what room is the Lord in right now in our prayer time? And for me, I'll tell you, in this list, you know, praise and adoration, forgiveness, supplication, thanksgiving, faith, agreement, consecration. This list for me right now, thanksgiving is the one by far that's been the most alive to me. 
When I'm going into prayer right now, I just have this, you know, it, it talks about don't be anxious for anything, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests be known to God. That thanksgiving piece has just been rocking me for some reason. I'm just getting into prayer and I'm going into prayer to, to, to pray for things. And I just feel like thanksgiving is what I'm supposed to do. And we've just spent a lot of time just thanking the Lord for all he's done. You know what's interesting? When you really get into a place of gratitude, there's a lot he's done for us. <laughs> it, like if you really just stop for a little bit and start taking, you know, inventory of your life, starting with I was dead and now I'm alive. Starting with, I was headed to hell, and now I'm going to heaven. Starting with, I was in fear, and now I'm in love. I mean, those are just the, the core basics of what I'm thankful for. But, but as I've just even gone through uh, my own life recently, as I get into prayer, this prayer of thanksgiving is what's really been coming alive. I just find like, oh man, there's so much that he's done for me. So much I have to be grateful for. And uh, I just think, it's a great thing for us to do. But, but in that list, there's another prayer. It's called the prayer of intercession. Now, we, we, we somewhat know the concept of intercession, but the definition, the dictionary definition of intercession is this. The act of intervening on behalf of another. The act of intervening on behalf of another. There's also a, a picture, Dutch Sheets in his book, Intercessory Prayer, actually uses kind of the analogy of a secretary that sets up appointments for people. It's, it's that, I'm, that I'm intervening on behalf of another, but that I set up meetings. That if the secretary, I'm going, okay, are you free? Are you free? Great. This is the time that you're going to meet. Intercession is, is setting up a meeting between, two, between God and somebody or God and a situation. Okay? So that's, that's what we're talking about with intercession. Now, one of the things that, that I, this is all going to be my intro, and then I'm just going to have a couple points. One of the things that has to move us when it comes to intercession is, is, is that God is actually looking for intercessors. Now, we have a concept of intercessors, and this is, when I share this, this is not negative. We have a concept of intercessors that what we've known in the church as intercessors is the elderly ladies that pray in the morning by themselves somewhere. You know, like, God bless those intercessor ladies. <laughs> and listen, I do say God bless those intercessor ladies because we have them in our lives. And I'm not sure where the church would be without those intercessor ladies. I'm really serious. Our own ministry has been covered for years by some of the most faithful older women. And we have them come into our staff. We have them pray over us. They're unbelievable, these ladies. I'm serious. They, they, but... But intercession is not just for a select group of what we would consider like, okay, well, that's, that's who does the intercession part. Intercession is for everyone. God is looking for intercessors in the body of Christ. He's looking for intercessors. It's on his heart. He's looking for them. We see this picture in the Old Testament. We also see him calling us to it in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, Isaiah 59, 16 says this. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness had sustained him. There's this picture where God is actually saying, why is there no intercessor right now? Where are the intercessors? Where are those that will stand on behalf of others? Where are they? 
And there's this, there's this picture of God looking for them and, and somewhat scratching his head going, why aren't there any intercessors? In Ezekiel twenty-two thirty, which again, this is a picture of intercession, that kind of standing, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap. God's searching for intercessors right now. God's saying, where are the intercessors? I, I'm looking for people that will stand in the gap, that will build a wall, that will, that will stand on behalf of others. I'm looking for intercessors. But in the New Testament, in 1 Timothy 2, 1-4, it says this, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. And then listen to this verse. Who desires, there is a desire on the heart of God, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen. Listen, God says, there's a desire in the heart of God that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And that desire is connected to pray, intercede for all men. Intercede for people. Because intercession for people, where I stand in the gap for them, where I connect the meeting for them, right? where I intervene on their behalf, that is tied to God's desire for them. He's looking for intercessors. He's looking for people that will stand in the gap, build a wall, and set up meetings. But the other thing is this. Jesus is an intercessor. I don't know if you, I, I know you know this, but being a Christian actually means being a follower of Jesus. We're following Jesus. We're going where he's going. And if we follow Jesus, we have to understand he's an intercessor. In fact, the ultimate act of intercession was the cross. The cross was the ultimate act of intercession. Jesus stepped in on my behalf. On my behalf. He stepped in. He built a wall against death. He stood in the gap for my life. And he intervened on my behalf. He intervened on my behalf when I was dead and when I was dying in my sins. When fear ruled my life. When sin was my master, he intervened and he defeated the power of the grave. He defeated the power of sin. He defeated the power of death and he intervened on my behalf. The, the ultimate act of intercession was the cross, but it did not end at the cross. He continues to make intercession for us. Amen. This is what scripture says. Romans 8, 34. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. That was the act of intercession. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Amen. Hebrews 7, 25. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Listen to this. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. He's living right now to make intercession for us. The ultimate act of intercession was the cross. He stood and he intervened on our behalf. 
but he's still interceding for us. He's still interceding. And, and we are most like him when we are in intercession. In fact, we begin to realize that there is a privilege, a privilege to interceding because we are joining Jesus in what he's doing. That when the Bible calls us to intercede again, and we'll talk more about this in just a moment, but that I stand in the gap, that I intervene on behalf of somebody else, and in prayer, I stand in the gap for somebody. That when I do that, I am joining Jesus in what he's doing. I am most like him in intercession because I join him in doing what he's doing right now. That I recognize he did this for me. I didn't find Jesus. He found me. He sought me out. And now the privilege that I have is to come and in prayer, join him in intercession for others, in intercession for situations. Now let me read the actual two scriptures, two stories that we're going to talk about tonight. Numbers chapter 16 Again, this is Old Testament, so God's about to release a plague on these Israelites who are in disobedience. They were complaining. The Israelites who God was taking care of them had set them for all this stuff is going on, and they're complaining. God doesn't take, he does, he's not a big fan of complaining. That's why you got to stay thankful. And, uh, but he, they're complaining, and he sends a plague on them, and, and then you'll see what Moses does. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting. Number 1643, if you want to find it in your Bible or your Bible app. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. So Moses said to Aaron, Take a censer and put fire in it from the altar. Put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them, for wrath has gone out from the Lord. Here's the phrase, The plague has begun. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living so the plague was stopped. Acts chapter 12, verse one. This is the, James is the first apostle to be martyred and uh, Herod is about to kill him and then they're gonna take Peter captive. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword, and because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread, so when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, and then here's the phrase, but constant prayer was offered to God for him. This is intercession. Constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Now we know the story that uh, they're praying for him and an angel comes into the prison, taps Peter on the shoulder and walks him out. The angel comes in and Peter thinks he's actually having a vision until he's completely out and then he realizes, well, no, this is physical, this is real and he goes to the house where the prayer meeting's happening. So the, uh, Herod comes takes James, kills him. It kind of wakens the church up. First one, that Herod's really going to do this. They take Peter, and they immediately go into intercession for Peter. And that standing on his behalf, and angels released, sets Peter free. 
The reason why I love the story where Moses is, tells Aaron, go get a censer, put fire in it, put incense in it, and then go stand in the congregation, is that there's this brilliant strategy of the Father when it comes to prayer in your life. That, that incense we know, and again, I could read scriptures, but Revelation 5, 8 says, now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Psalm 141, one through two says, Lord, I cried out to you, make haste to me, give ear to me, to my voice when I cry out to you. Let my prayers be set before you as incense. So Moses tells Aaron, take a censer, fire from the altar, incense, and go stand in the midst of the assembly and stand between the dead and the living. But make sure that you bring incense. Make sure you bring fire. There's this picture that our lives... Uh, uh, passionately burning for Jesus, passionately in love from Jesus, encountering that flame. In fact, that flame that was on the altar was actually the flame that was lit from heaven. So that, that, that flame that was continually before the Lord was actually a fire that was lit when God responded from heaven and then it burned continually before the Lord. So, so it's that our encounter of our encounter of the fire of God, the love of God ignites something within us, but it's our passion for him and it's incense, it's prayers that he sends into the midst of darkness. In the middle of the plague, he sends us with love for him and prayer. And he says, stand right in the middle. And the strategy is, is that the Lord knows he responds to his children's prayers that he can't resist his kids praying. Anytime you can read in history or whenever else, whenever God intends to move, he first stirs the hearts of his people to pray because he knows I respond to prayer and I can't resist my kids' prayer. So I show up when they pray. So he stirs their heart to pray. You read stories. I remember reading stories of revival and it'd be a, a few old ladies in a barn praying. And, and, and he'd show up in this city and it would, it would ignite a revival that touched the world. Again and again and again, God does this. And so you wonder, why am I at my workplace right now? Why am I here? It's because God wants to move there. So he stuck you there and he stirs your heart up to pray. And when you pray, he responds. I, 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 he, looks at, he looks at the Sacramento region and says, I want to I show up. I want to pour out my spirit in Sacramento. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to start stirring believers all over Sacramento. Because when I can get enough believers going, I'm just going to show up. I can't resist that. Listen, I, I, you have to continually put in front of you when you do prayer that he's a father. He's a father. He, this is what Jesus brought to us. He's a dad. He's a dad. He's a dad. And you can pray to him like that. I remember when we had our first kid, everybody told us before we had a child, they're like, you know, you're going to really understand the father heart of God more than you ever have when you have a kid. And I always thought it was kind of corny. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. I don't even go away. And uh, um, I just always felt, I don't know why, I just felt cheesy. And then, and then we had our first kid and we're like, oh my gosh, like I didn't, I, like I had no idea that that part of my heart even existed. Like I didn't, I did not know that this little human being had so much pull in my life and so much access to my heart. Like, I don't need it. What? Like, it's just this massive revelation. But when my daughter, I don't know how old she was. Maybe she was a little over a year. She was just starting to say some words. And she had been sleeping. This is my first one. 
She'd been sleeping through the night, but then we started traveling. I forget, we'd gone to Canada or a couple of different places speaking and she was thrown off her schedule. And so she started waking up at 2 a.m. And so for us as parents, you know, we're 22 years old. I'm like, stick her in bed with us. I don't like, she's waking up crying, throwing it. We had this California king. I could sleep on my side. CJ could sleep on her side. Baby in the middle. We don't even know the baby's there. This is perfect. <laughs> until, she, until she started doing this thing where she would start turning. And then as a baby, she'd like lay full out, hands and feet extended, stretched out. And I'm the type of guy that has to be completely like, don't touch me, stay away. I can't have anything. I just, it's all got to be perfect for me to go to sleep. And I had a foot in my back all night. <laughs> so finally I told CJ, I said, CJ, we can't do this anymore. Like I, I'm not sleeping. Like we have to put her, she's got to sleep through the night. And both of us are like, well, I don't even know how to get her to sleep through the night. So I said, let me ask around. So I go and I'm talking to some parents and these, I'm like, hey, listen, my daughter's not sleeping in the night. How do I get her? And all the parents have the same advice. They're like, you got to break her. <laughs> and I was like, what? They're like, you got to break her. I said, no, no, no. I, she's not a horse. She's a baby. <laughs> They're like, I know, I know, but you got to break her. I'm like, okay, well, how do you break her? They're like, you got to let her cry it out. You got to let her cry it out. What do you mean? You got to let her cry it out. She'll be fine. She might, and, and you got to get ready. It'll be three or four hours of crying and it'll probably happen for three or four nights, but she'll figure it out. She'll go to sleep. <laughs> really? Yep, got to break her. So I went home. I'm like, CJ, I guess we have to break her? And they said, we got to let her cry all night or something like that. And they said, it works. She'll be fine. So we're like, all right. So we got our calendar out and we mapped out you know, four nights that we could do this. And first night comes around, Ellie wakes up and uh, I go in and, and Ellie was this like little round fat thing. She was just this little fat round baby. She's standing up on her crib, holding on the side, like those big tears. And I come in, I'm like, Ellie, you're a big girl now. Big girls sleep in their bed all night long. And so you got to sleep in your bed all night. You can't come sleep with mommy and daddy. And I lay her down. She pops back up crying. And I walk out. I shut the door. We go in our room, get in bed, turn the lights on, turn the television on. And we're going to do this thing. We're going to wait this baby out. <laughs> and, and we're going to watch three hours of infomercials. We're going to do this. And I turned to my wife, who is the weaker of us both. And I said, I said, CJ... I know that right now, everything in you wants to go get her because she's screaming and crying. You can't though. Be strong. Hold on. We can break her. And she's like, okay. So about 10 minutes into the first night, she's crying and she starts doing something she hadn't done before, put this together. She hadn't put it together like this. She's in her bed, in her crib, and then she started doing this. I'm in my room melting. I'm dying. I'm like, I turned to CJ. I said, I 
cannot believe you are this mean that you would make her cry in there like this. Do you hear her? She needs me. My daughter needs me. And I ran inside. <laughs> I picked her up. I said, Ellie, you can sleep with us forever. <laughs> and I ran and I put her in our bed and she slept with us for a year. <laughs> I kid you not. Oh, don't tell anybody that story. But, uh, that, listen, there really is something about the fact that, that kids just have, they just, they move you. They really do. God's like, I want to move in Citrus Heights. I want to start stirring some people up in that city just to cry out to me. I'm going to go take somebody. I'm going to go get, I'm going to put them right in the heart of the plague. I'm going to put them right in the heart of darkness. And I'm going to say, you know what you got to do right there? Love me with a deep passion and pray. Bring incense right in between the dead and the living. Bring incense right in the heart of the plague, right in the heart of darkness, and lift up your voice. Because when you lift up your voice in prayer to me, I respond. That's the brilliant strategy of the father, is that he stirs his children to call out to him. He says again and again, I'm near to all those who call on me. Draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. He makes this abundantly clear. This is his strategy, is that we would come in intercession and stand between the dead and the living. That we'd stand on behalf of people, we would intervene in prayer. This is the other thing, is that intercession positions you to win the battle in the heavens. This is one of the things we have to realize, is, is that our the Bible says that we don't, we don't war against flesh and blood. We're not warring against people. We're warring against principalities that are influencing culture, that are influencing thoughts and mindsets. We're, we're battling against that. And when we pray, intercession puts us in a place of authority. The Bible says that we are seated with Jesus in heavenly places. We, we are in Jesus, we are, we are in Jesus, and we're seated with him. And you know what he's doing right now? He's in intercession at the right hand of the Father. He's at the right hand of the Father in intercession. We're seated with him, and that we, we extend his kingdom first through prayer. Prayer is what extends the dominion of God in a region. It's the first step to extending the dominion is that we handle and deal with this heavenly realm and we extend his rule and reign through prayer. Seated with him. And that when you are not in that place, that's why we say, if you're praying from earth to heaven, you have no authority. But you're not praying from earth to heaven. You're praying from heaven to earth. And that... And that when we get into that mode of intercession, we begin to recognize we're seated with him. It's this weird thing where theologically, it's true. Practically, we don't always live there. Positionally, we have this place. We just don't live it out. I, I remember that we actually, when I came back, my first trip to IHOP, which is International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Boy, I don't know how long ago. This was a while ago. Yeah, we, um, my first trip to IHOP, I had a really great pancakes. It was amazing. Uh, my first trip to International House of Prayer in Kansas City, I was flying back and they have this 24 hour prayer room. It's really amazing. 
I was flying back and my, my heart was just stirred to pray. I was youth pastor at the time. And I came back and we called our youth group to pray for the summer. And I came back at, and the first prayer meeting, I, I honestly, there's maybe 15 people there or something at our prayer meeting. But I was, I was in our prayer meeting and we began to pray for the city and we began to pray for young people in that city. I don't know how to describe it, but I, I felt in prayer a realm of authority that I recognized but also realized I didn't live there. There was a place of authority that we accessed in our first prayer meeting. Just I remember it. I remember thinking, wow, there's an authority in what we're doing in prayer, and I do not live here. I maybe visit, but I don't live. We, like We've got to get to that place where we're seated in heavenly places with Christ in intercession, living in that place of authority. But as we do that, as we do that, what we realize is this, is that God is eager to meet with people in situations. So there's, there's kind of a two pic, twofold picture when it comes to intercession. Intercession is, as I stand between the dead and the living, I stand between the gap and I build a wall that says, death, you, have, you, you cannot go any further. Plague, you can go no more. Darkness, you have no place here. There's, there's this kind of wall that we build as we, inter, as we intervene and intercede for people and cities and situations. But there's also another picture where, where we are the secretary setting up meetings between God and people, God and situations. And God is so eager to meet with people. And he waits for us to set it up. He responds to our prayers with it. He's, again, this may be a little bit of a silly illustration. If you've ever been to a party with somebody that wants to meet a bunch of people, he's that guy. <laughs> he's the guy at the party with you, and he's like, hey, hey, is that your friend over there? Do you know them? I'd really like to meet them. Hey, introduce me to your friend. Hey, introduce me to your friend. Hey, can you introduce me to your friend? Hey, introduce me to your friend. He's the guy that's just, you know, hey, introduce me to your friend. Hey, who's that over there? I want to meet him. Introduce me. Come on, introduce me. Introduce me to them. Fine. All right. Here you go. Hey, this is yeah, Joe. Meet this friend. That's God. I, I'm telling you, God's like, hey, hey, who's that guy you're working with? I'd really like to meet him. I would love to meet him right now. Can you introduce me to him? Come on, introduce me to him. Come on. I'd really like to meet him. Can you introduce me to him? Come on, seriously, introduce me to him. Fine, you know, God meet Joe. Joe meet God. This is... I'll set it up. What time? When are you free? When are you free? Okay, let's do this. Like, this is, this is kind of how it works. I think he does it with situations, too. I think he shows up and goes, hey, that situation down there, it looks impossible. I'd love to meet him. Can I meet that situation? <laughs> that situation looks pretty daunting. looks impossible. Come on, come on, introduce me. Come on, come on, introduce me to them, please. Come on, introduce me. All right, impossible situation, meet God. God, meet impossible situation. <laughs> yes, nice to meet you. Like, this is... This is intercession. This is, in, this is the picture of intercession. That we're, we're just saying, hey, God, I'd love for you to meet. I'd love for you to meet somebody. And we do it through prayer. It's not the, like, again, it's through prayer. We first do this in prayer. We set up meetings in prayer. We stand in the gap in prayer. We build a wall in prayer. And we set up meetings in prayer. That's what we do. And he's eager. I mean, he is eager, eager, eager to meet. This is the things that, that I would say, I, I want to intercede for our church. I want people in our church to be awakened and experience the freedom purchased on the cross. 
If you're a believer, I want your heart to be awakened to the love and power of God. And I want you to experience the fullness of what was paid for at a very costly price on the cross. It's setting up. Hey, listen, I know you're a believer, but I'd love for you to meet. I'm going to set up a meeting between you and God because there is a fullness of freedom that you have yet to experience. I think that people in our city to encounter the love and power of God, those that, those that maybe are prodigals, those that are nominal believers, or those that don't know him, we want to set up that meeting. I'm like, hey, God, listen, there's a guy I've been meeting. He's my neighbor. He's a great guy. I'd love for you to meet him. I'd love for you to meet him. He's never, he's never encountered your power and love. What do you think? What do you think? He's like, yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love to meet him. I've been wanting to meet him. I've been nudging you for a while. I want to meet him. All right, let me set that up. When you're free. When are you free? Okay, I got it down. This is, uh, this is intercession. I'm praying for our culture. This is another thing. I want, like, I'm interceding for our culture, which again is, is principally sovereign. But I, I, I want to I say, hey, God, have you ever met Hollywood? Yeah, you should meet Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood, meet God. God, meet Hollywood. When can you meet? Like, this is situations in our life and others. This is what we're interceding for. And the picture that I want to paint for you is that God's eager to do this. We don't pray to a reluctant God. We don't pray to a God who's dragging his feet, doesn't want to get out of bed, is like, fine, ah, stop asking me to touch people's lives. Come on. I'm busy. Like, we're praying to a God who's on the edge of his seat. I remember a, a, a friend came to me, and it was after worship. He said, hey, I had a... I had a really interesting picture, and in, you know, it was, kind of, it was a vision. I don't think it was an open vision, but in his mind, he said, I had a picture of God on the price is right. <laughs> right before the announcer calls the contestant. And what's sad is, when he told me, I thought, you came to the right guy. I watch a lot of prices, right? <laughs> because the summer before my sophomore year, I didn't have a car. And so I was home by myself. My sister was gone. I was home by myself. And every day, I'm not exaggerating, every day I watched 10 o'clock, The Price is Right, and then I may or may not have gotten hooked on all my children in General Hospital. But that's a different issue. <laughs> it's a whole different issue that we won't talk about right now. Um, but if you ever watch soaps, Monday cannot come soon enough because they leave you hanging every Friday. <laughs> every Friday is a cliffhanger and Monday can't come around soon enough to find out what happened. So, but that, that's a different issue right now. So I would watch Price is Right. And he says, listen, I, 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 I saw God on the Price is Right right before. And I thought, I know exactly what this is. Whenever you watch the show, at the time it was Bob Barker and a guy named Rod Roddy was the announcer. And so they would reach in and find a contestant. And right before they did the name of the contestant that was going to come down, I mean, everybody in the crowd, audience, they're all just on the edge of their seat. They're all just lit up. They're like, this is happening today. I've spent my entire life for this moment right now. Nothing is going to stop me. I know I can feel it. I can feel it. This is, he's going to call my name. And everybody's got their like, I love Bob Barker or Johnson Family Reunion. Or they've got all these shirts on. It's going down. It's happening. It's happening right Right now, it's going to happen. I know it. I can feel it. And then he says something like, Susan Johnson, come on down. You're the next contestant on The Price is Right. And they start, they don't know where Susan is, so they start looking for her, and they know exactly who she is because she's the one standing, screaming at the top of her lungs, well, you know, flinging her arms around in just pure joy. 
And then here's the other thing. I have never once, and I feel I'm somewhat a semi-expert on the prices, right? I have never once, ever once seen a contestant walk calmly down the aisle. <laughs> ever. I mean, it is screaming, flailing, high-fiving, and then sprinting down the aisle. This is everything they've been hoping for in life. I'm telling you, this is the picture of God. This is the picture he paints for us in Scripture. He's eager to respond. I mean, we, uh, right now, God's in heaven. He's on the edge of his seat. He's like, this is it. They're gathering this summer. I think they're going to call me. I think this is happening. He's got his I Love Sacramento t-shirt on. He's like, come on, let's do this. It's going down. I can feel it. I can feel it. This is happening. This is... And then we get, we get together with just a few people, and we're like, God, would you just come and just meet these people? And he's like, yeah! Woo! He's like high-fiving angels on the way out. Like, this is what's happening. Slid up! This is the God we pray to. Listen, he, he asks us, when we wonder whether or not he, he will give us the kingdom in Scripture, he goes, I gave you my son. What else could I show? How else can I prove to you how passionate I am about a relationship with you? I gave you my son. This is God. He's like, listen, I gave you my son. There is a desire in my heart that all men would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He's not up there behind some locked door. He's on the edge of his seat. He's saying, what's the situation you want me to show up for? I'm near to all those who call upon me. I'm near to all those who call upon me. We get together in prayer and we take our little lunchtime and we get together on Tuesday and we come in early and we live a life for this thing. And it's just like, God, would you come? He's like, yes, yes, I will. This is what it's all about. This thing, this is, this is intercession. Intercession is not for some corner of a segment of people who are retired and like to pray or whatever. I don't I, like, I don't know where we started putting that. Every single one of us are called to be intercessors. Every single one of us are called to come in prayer with our incense, stand between the dead and the living to build a wall and stand in the gap and say, you cannot go any further. You are not allowed to take my city and you're not allowed to take my generation and you're not allowed to take my family. That's not allowed. And we build a wall and then we just begin to go, all right, let's set up some meetings. What can we do here? All right. Who needs to meet with God? I think you do. I'm going to come and pray. I'm setting that up. You don't even know I'm setting it up. I'm setting it up. Just get ready. Just get ready. I already got on the calendar. I already put it in. It's in the calendar. It's not changing. This is what we do. This is intercession. This, and this is the joy and the privilege that we get to do. We get to intervene on behalf of others. We get to join Jesus in intercession. We get to join him in what he's doing right now, what he lives for right now. Lord, we just pray. 
God, we want to join Jesus in intercession. God, we've been asking again and again, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Show us how to intercede. Unlock the the secrets and the revelation of prayer. But Lord, we, we just say yes. Yes to intercession. We want to live lives of intercession. We want to be those that stand in the gap. We want to be those that arrange meetings. And I want us to do that right now. I want you... Uh, specifically, I'm going to say for people right now, I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, who are some people in my life that you're asking me to intercede for? Who are some people in my life that you're asking me to intercede for? I want you to take about 30 seconds, ask the Lord, and I'm going to ask that you pray for them tonight. We're going to ask that you pray for those people right now. We're going to go stand in the gap for them right now. This has been the Jesus Culture Sacramento Podcast. For more information about the church, visit JesusCulture.com.